The Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi, and welcome to episode 76 of the Restless Midlifer podcast. Now, this week we have an interview with Richard Harkness. Now, Richard is a former GP, spent a lot of time in the medical profession, working as a general practitioner, and uh, at a point in midlife decided that he needed to make a change. And it's a great uh, midlife story, and we share some thoughts around it because uh, Richard has shifted into um, coaching and starting to build a business around that. So he's in the early stages, really, of that new venture, and we are we talk about a number of things, including the decisions, the emotions, the what brought him into GP practice, what also led him to see the change, the emotional journey, the sense of identity that he had to shift and change, and how he's now approaching his new business venture. So I think it's a great episode to to share and connect with that the things that can happen to many of us where we think that is this a question, and that people do change careers and make decisions and shifts in life from what can be a relatively pretty secure job as a GP, yes, there's stresses and risks to it, but relatively secure to something that's less secure and find that sense of fulfillment. There is more to life, I guess, is one of the key things. So I hope you enjoy the episode. But for now, what I also want to share is a little bit of food for thought, as I, I do most times with these episodes. And I want to give you three things that um, I found have been really, really useful, a real boon, I would say, in my own efforts in terms of managing my health and weight, particularly around the food and the diet aspect of things. And there are three things. One of them we explored in detail with Mark Telford, who is on next week's episode, actually. Uh, he's coming back. He's a fitness, former fitness trainer, run a gym, worked with some with female Olympic hopefuls in the boxing arena, um, and has a wealth of experience. Now, you might remember back on a previous episode that he talked about the power of batching, batch preparing food and meals in helping reduce the friction to eating healthily. So, you know, you have a day from hell, you come home, and you've then got to decide, never mind prepare it, what you want for your food, uh, for your meal. And he talks about the power of batch preparing it so that it's ready for you, and it's almost a no-brainer what you have in terms of picking it out of the fridge or the freezer, etc. And that is number one, really. So I've got two, three things. The first one is the power of batch preparing the food and the meals. And... I'm not going to go into detail about it, but what I found really useful with this is managing to find some time at a weekend to think ahead and think about um, breakfast for me is, a, is a, a useful one. What can I do that can make breakfast really low friction, higher protein so that I get that quality nutrition um, in there and kick off my day well, if you like. So I might break fast breakfast later in the day for me at the moment with my Operation Demove methods. Demoob, that sounds a bit posh, Demoob. <laughs> um, you can check out previous episodes if you're not sure what that is. It's about just shifting the weight loss that I've already achieved uh, down a, a notch a bit more to lose the man boobs. But one of the things is to, to batch prepare egg muffins. For me, that was a, a, a real win for getting kicked off and adding a little bit of protein at the beginning of the day, but making sure that I hit my protein requirements for the day. Um, and the, the dead easy bang a few eggs into a bowl, mix them up, put some veg in there. You might fry off some peppers, some onions, some bacon, put them in the oven in a muffin tin, and you've got 12 um, prepared 
uh, egg muffins that can be breakfast. One or two of them, depending on how active or, or whatever you feel in the day. Um, and you can freeze a few of them. So take one the night before. That has been really useful in reducing the friction on my day and avoiding me going for the option of perhaps, you know, some toast, some cereal or some other things that might be less nutritionally valuable in that sense. So the point of the, the batch preparing has been really not just for breakfast, I now do it for lunches, um, and I'm working on how I can, it ties in actually with the next two things that I'm talking about. I'm working on how I can potentially use this more effectively for the evening meal time. But the power of batch preparing means that you can um, plan roughly ahead what you're going to have, prepare them at the weekend, freeze them, and then take them out the night before so they're defrosted ready for, for lunch. Or you might want to apply this for a tea if you're thinking, you know, um, I know that by the time Thursday comes around, I'm usually wasted in terms of energy levels. And um, that's the day that I could probably do with a really low friction thing. What could I prepare, freeze, and have ready to take out on the Wednesday night so that when I come in from work or the Thursday morning, when I come in from work later or finish work, it's defrosted, it's ready to go. What meal could lend itself to that? And if you want to check out episode, uh, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it is in the show notes, Mark Telford, um, I think it's 54 if I remember off the top of my head, um, a great little episode where we, he talks about his approach to that and uh, a, a great one. The other two that I found, things that I found complement that, but I've been using for a lot longer actually, are think purchases really. Uh, one of them is a soup maker and it's been one of those things that has revolutionized, I guess, my um the convenience of taking in plenty of vegetables and what have you so the soup maker it's a tall pot um it has a bit of a spinny churny thing technical term on the top and it um you can pour in your veg stock some chopped up vegetables if you're going to put bacon or some chicken and you've got to pre-cook that you put that in chopped up and you can set it away to create soup within 25 minutes you can create lumpy soup or you can create what i like to do smooth soup and that has been a brilliant thing and it might be something that you think mm, i don't know you know what value that is but for me as somebody who it's very easy for me to eat the wrong stuff uh, or you know less of the protein less of the vegetables it's a great way to get more in particular vegetables into my day because I just need to set that away. Chop up, batch chop up or even buy it already chopped, the vegetables, um, chuck it in the, the, the soup maker on a morning or, or later on in the day, uh, chuck it in with the veg stock and set it away. 25 minutes later, the soup's ready. And I, I and later in the afternoon, um, when I might be getting a few hunger pans, I put the, the smooth soup into a, cu a cup and sit and I'm working with that rather than a cup of coffee that I might have later on in the day, that kind of thing. Great way to get the vegetables in. And yes, if you churn it up, you might lose some of the fibrous benefits of it. Um, so you might go, prefer to go lumpy, but the convenience of having it in the mug is great. So for me, a soup maker, really worth checking out. Have a think about that one. Third one is slow cooker. Now, I've had a client who's a recent convert to this and loves it. Now, you may well have a slow cooker, you may be slow cooker advocates or have one that's in the back of the cupboard, um, but it really is a powerful tool in the kit of reducing the friction, particularly on an evening. And you only need really two or three class recipes that you like to, um, to really bring the, the real benefit of the slow cooker out for you. Now, the way I use it is I tend to have a, I have a couple of options. I have a, a chili, I have a, a curry, a beef curry, where I get a, 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 some beef chunks uh, and make that from the night before, and um, a chicken casserole type thing. And they're reasonably easy because if you want to go the, in my case, the lazy option, you need the ingredients and then a sachet for a chili or a, um, a chicken casserole. But the power of this is that if I am, say, Monday or Tuesday preparing a meal anyway, then it doesn't take a lot more to chop and prepare the stuff for the slow cooker, set it away, 
overnight on low or even in the morning on that low to medium for the next day. So it's almost like I have a, a day where I'm doing prep for a meal um, and I'm adding in just a little bit extra prep because I'm already up there. I've got the knife, the chopping boards out. Um, and then the next night, no prep or minimal prep because all I've got, all I need to do is bang on some rice or some cauliflower rice or something like that if I want for the chili, whatever, or spoon it into a bowl. And that's tea. And that is such a powerful thing because if you know there are days where, do you know what, by Thursday or by Wednesday, or I know that's a long day. Tuesday's going to be a long day. I'm going to be coming straight in from back-to-back meetings or travel or whatever. I really cannot be bothered. Then that slow cook prep the night before or setting it away on the morning can be a, an absolute game changer in avoiding the, you know, the ringing for the pizza, the, those kinds of things. So just, just food for thought again. Um, three things. Batch cooking, have a revisit of that, episode 54. Pretty confident is that, but it's in the show notes uh, with Mark Telford. Um, and um, then have a think about the soup maker and a slow cooker. Or uh, do you have any other devices yourself that you find really useful? Because this is the thing. I think we, we, we buy these gadgets and sometimes they can sit gathering dust in the cupboard. And with a little bit of thought um, or, or just a bit of ingenuity, a bit of planning, they can be brought out and resurrected effectively to become a real useful tool in the arsenal of reducing friction. Because a lot of the healthier eating relies on us making an effort or planning ahead. And sometimes if we just reduce the friction on that, it gives us a greater chance of success. So that's my food for thought uh, for this this uh, week. I hope you enjoy the interview with uh, Richard. It's a great one just to explore and think about. Perhaps you can connect with some of the feelings that he experienced in his change in career. Um, but take care for now. <music> Hi, Richard. Uh, it's great to have you along. Um, as I've introduced you already, we'll get straight into it. Do you want to tell the audience uh, a little bit about yourself, just your general background, and then we'll dive in and dig in a bit more? Uh, right. <laughs> um, I'm Richard Harkness, or Rich Harkness, um, from the Northeast myself. Um, uh, come from Hebben originally and uh, started life off as a GP. Um, and then later in life, uh, transitioned like I am now into being a life coach, married guy with kids, the, the usual kind of setup, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's an interesting change, which is something to, to dig into, uh, on, on a number of levels. Um, that, that shift as well is interesting because I think this, this is the heart of the, the midlife or the restless midlife or so-called, um, is, the things that can sometimes lead to us having these feelings like I need something needs to change. But I guess if you want to go back a little bit, tell us, you know, mm. how did you fall into or step into GP work? What was what was the background about that? Because that to me seems like what of the doctors and GPs, I don't know, that um it's very much a there's a lot of different reasons, but often it, it's it's a very consuming role. Um, yeah, yeah. some would see it as a calling, that kind of thing. So do you want to tell us a bit about that for yourself? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um so I suppose this is where maybe I vary from from some other doctors. Um, not, I know there are some others who are like me, but um, not as many as as perhaps your average uh, doctor. In so much that mine wasn't like a calling as such. I didn't right. kind of, um, you know, I wasn't inspired by an adventure in my childhood of watching another doctor save you know a relative's life or anything like that. Um, um, I suppose the doctor was always very revered by my. By my mother, she was just taught very highly of, of of her doctor and how respected they were, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So whether that sort of on an unconscious level informed my decision as well, um, but I suppose how I ended up in it. Um, so 
it was kind of basically quite a pragmatic, logical type of decision rather than an emotional one, I would say. Um, I enjoy talking to people. Um, I enjoy getting to know people. Um, so I thought, yeah, it'd be good to have a, a you know a role where I'm, I'm doing that, where I'm chatting to people. Um, I like to help people. So that, that was another good fit. I, I've always really enjoyed the sciences um particularly as i was studying i was really enjoying biology and human biology more than plant biology so i was like yeah i'd love to understand the human body even more and in depth you know um and then i was thinking about just like you know job security and pay and things like that coming from a working class background as a lad with you know my mum was a um, stay-at-home mum and dad worked in the shipyard, so he was in and out of work constantly throughout my childhood. And it was just, that was, you know, that was kind of awful to see how he was at the whim of employee employers and things like that, you know. Um, so it was basically those kind of things that shaped my decision of like, okay, yeah. That seems like a a good career to, to plump for. I didn't really get any good um careers advice at that age you were kind of just you know you're going back to oh god how long ago was it now the 80s um and you know and you're kind of you're just kind of a bit left to your own devices really as to what you did um uh so i was left to choose my own career path really without anyone sort of saying oh this would be good for you or that would be good for you um uh so that's kind of just made the decision like i'm good i'm gonna well i think my i think my in my head, I was like, I'll shoot for for doctor, and if I don't get it, then I'll I'll fall into something like you know biomedical sciences or physiology or something along those lines. Because you can do if you don't get the medical degree, you'll still come away with a with a qualification anyway, usually, um, and you can use that for something else. Or you could switch degrees part way through. Some people did that after the first year or two; they switched to another degree. Um, but as it happened, I made it all the way to the end. So. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Uh, it, yeah. I, I mean, the reason that I sort of uh, asked about that is because um, I haven't talked to so many people in various different professions, careers, business, whatever. Um, often the the things that move us into these roles seem to be, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if this is something that might sh- shift into why you change what you do, but what to what you do now, um, that the, the decisions or the reasons that we base it on seem to be more diff, uh, different, more mm-hmm. pragmatic, as you said, practical. Um, I meet one or two people who've had a calling and that's it. You know, I was born to be a cop. I love this job inside and out. Yeah. Or, or I'm a this or that. But on the whole, it's often shaped by a lot of things. Like you say, your upbringing, perhaps, you know, seeing other people with job insecurity. I know one of the things that my mum and dad used to say is, get yourself a degree, get yourself a job, uh, set for life, work for the civil service. Now, I didn't do either. All I suppose, police kind of work for the crown um but there was always that thing about security in there as well and i always describe myself as bimbling into the police probably a little bit uh too blase a statement but i kind of thought i was never born i always want to be a cop i want to grow up and be a police officer i kind of saw it as an escape from the job that i had which is a boring marketing job um you know and, and did that so it's interesting isn't it how that so just to go sort of onto that then you're you you got through your, your profession did you enjoy it what were your thoughts around it what were your experiences in that in terms of your fulfillment and that sort of thing I mean I think I've really enjoyed uh university I enjoyed the studying and the learning aspect of it um I think I'm 
I'd call myself like a lifelong learner. I enjoy, always enjoy learning. I continue to learn to this day in, in different fields, even outside of what I'm doing now, you know. Um, and obviously the social aspect was fabulous. Um, you know, from, from coming from uh, heaven and going to a big city, I went to the University of Manchester and, you know, just surrounded by people from all over the world. Literally, it was a global course, you know, um, and getting to meet so many, you know, it, Heaven was very, um, what's the word? Wasn't very diverse is probably what you could say. Um, so getting to meet people from different races and backgrounds and things like that. And um, it was just, it was fascinating. You know, it was just a really great learning experience and a great life experience to do that. So that side of it was just like, this is awesome. You know, um, loved loved that aspect of it. The studying obviously was, was hard, but we, played very hard too so it kind of balanced itself out um and um yeah so then I mean it's funny I always tend to kind of dismiss how hard it was in in a way like a lot of people have said like to me you know since I've changed careers like do you not think that was a massive thing that you did it was just like I just kind of felt like I just did it like it did (laughs) just I just did it you know I wasn't thinking don't think of it in those terms um and then um, afterwards, yeah, so afterwards, kind of just you make a choice as to what you want to do, uh, um, like where you want to work after that. You've got a year of, of uh, like a probationary period, for want of a better term. So you're a doctor and you're practicing, but you haven't got your full license yet. You've got to do it. This was when I was doing it. I'm not, not quite sure what the, the process is now. Um, but you had to do a year and then somebody would sign you off at the end of the year saying, Yes, this person is definitely not going to kill everyone they come into contact with. Um, <laughs> we'll let them go, kind of thing. Um, and so, and then once I did that, it was kind of a, a choice of right. Well, what do I do now then? You know. Um, and I think the thing that I gathered along the way was, I don't think I want to work in a hospital. Like, so this was, you see, in hindsight, I think this is quite interesting because I think a lot of my choices that I made along the way were moving away from things rather than towards something you know like I don't like that so what else can I do then I don't like that what else can I do then and that's kind of how I ended up kind of thinking right general practice seems like a good uh, uh, the best the best no here's here's, here's the best fit I can get um because uh, it was it was general so I didn't have to subspecialize in one area because no one area really drew drew my passion you know i wasn't like oh god i love neurology i really want to be a neurologist i didn't feel that about any of the areas it's just like it's, it's all kind of you know interesting but not none of it it's really me sets me on fire kind of thing um so there's like right so that's the next thing i have to do then you know it's just kind of like a series of just step step by step what do you do next what do you do next you know um so I started my general practice training, which involved, you know, going around different um, hospital jobs, still had to do the hospital jobs, there's no getting away from it. Um, but then towards the end, you start going into your general practice part um, and then you sit, sit an exam at the end of that. Um, and that kind of, there's that then, what, when, once you've achieved that, then you can move into being a GP. So that's like another three years on top of um, your your mandatory one-year training i did i did do a little bit of something in between i forget what it was now i think it was a and e right 
because I didn't know what it, didn't know what I wanted to do to begin with. Um, so I think I did A and E for a little bit just to kind of fill in six months and give me some thinking time. And I knew A and E would be good experience no matter what I did. So, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so that's how I ended up um, kind of moving into general practice as a career. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of it. How long were you, how long were you in that the field? You know, from training through to GP and then making the transition. And, and what age were you at that point when you decided to make the transition? Oh, numbers, um, <laughs> roughly, roughly. <laughs> so I qualified in ninety nine. Um, so it's a five year degree, and then I had a one year, like I say, one year probationary year. So that's six years. And then, so probably ten years from start to finish. I'm, I would, I would guess by the time you put the GP train in, in there and stuff. So it's probably about ten years from from the idea of becoming a doctor to actually becoming a, a fully fledged GP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. So, and then were you a GP on top of that, or that includes being a GP? Oh no, that's yeah, that's just starting being a GP. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, how long were you a GP after that? <laughs> Roughly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um oh gosh when did i start being a gp it, it's well over 15 years i think yeah. now some something like that yeah, yeah. so to, the, the reason i'm asking is because it's a fair chunk of life in that sense oh, yeah fair commitment for you and what have you and whatever the reasons are that move into that that move you into that um it is a fair investment of lots of things <laughs> mm. you know and building of a life around it Yep. Um, and I think that's that's quite typical as well of a lot of a lot of us. You know, we we uh, we find ourselves in these places, and sometimes it's the right fit, sometimes it's not, and then it's about well, what do we do? And mm-hmm. you know, many will choose for the right reasons for them because it is a very individual thing. You know, I'm I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to look at developing within, and I'll stay this, and I'll develop that. Maybe go for this sort of level, etc. But others will, you know, after a certain amount of time, find yeah. Uh, there's something more I need. So do you want to, I'm quite, I'm interested in that part. What What was it that led you to change? Because it is a big change, isn't it? Particularly from a, as you say, a secure career, a very, mm-hmm. you know, highly respected career. Um, I'm guessing busy and stressful, <laughs> no doubt. Um, yep. <laughs> but what, what was sort of driving that? I think it just, it's hard to remember exactly at what point, but it, 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 I just gradually, I feel over a period of time, I just, realized i was increasingly dissatisfied with what i was doing it, it, it wasn't wasn't making me feel fulfilled you know um it just felt like i was on a treadmill i wasn't enjoying what i was doing at all it was making me consciously anxious um yes. you know i was worried about litigation and things like that i wasn't I wasn't at all a bad bad doctor but you know i was never sued or anything like that but um uh it, yeah, I think it was just the for the fact that it was always looming, you know. Um, it was just there all the time, that threat that, you know, somebody could take you to court and then your whole life would be turned upside down and the stress of all of that. I, I saw what happened to, you know, plenty of good colleagues who were very good doctors, you know. Um, so there was that, there was that there was that threat, that sense of threat there all the time. Um, but just the general day-to-day lack lack of satisfaction of of what I was doing really didn't feel like I was moving the needle very much in life right. um compared to say like when i was working in um a and e it was very obvious what you were achieving you know somebody would come right. in very sick very very sickly you know and then by the time they left you in after a few hours back in the good old days when you could actually see a doctor that quick uh 
um, uh, you know, um, you could see what you'd done. You know, you could actually see what you'd done and the difference that you that you'd made and stabilized. But I think what people people might not appreciate about general practice is that it's it's a bit, a bit of a thankless task in some respects. In that you don't get to see what you've done well usually, because, right? Because if people have got better, they don't ever come back and they don't tell you that, that yeah. they're better. The, the, you get the odd person who will send you a thank, thank you card and things like that, but they, they are by far, far the minority of people. Um, most people just get back on with their lives, which, you know, fine, that's what we should be doing. Um, and I'm just purely, this is purely, you know, just the way that I work, I think, is that and I like to see mm. what, what, what I'm achieving, what, what difference I'm making. Um. I'm not saying I had this all figured out back then, by the way, this is all kind of something I've, I've learned about myself in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I forgot the original question. What, what was it again? Okay. Well, it was, more, it was I... pretty much what you're talking about there. What was it that started to stir that this sort of sense yeah. of yeah. I need a change or is there something else? I need a change. Yeah. So then I was just kind of, I tell you what it, tell you what it was overall, I would say, it's just this constant, this constant thing that you get when you work in, in medicine. Or I did, I shouldn't say everyone, I did constantly got this message of life is short. You do not know when it's going to be taken from you. That's something I saw again and again and again and again. Right. You know, either patients it happening to patients or seeing relatives of patients where that had happened, you know, to their loved one or, or what have you. And it was just to me, um, you know, my brain was just soaking that up going, you don't know how long you've got. The clock's ticking, you know. Uh, you only get one crack at this. That's it. Mm. And and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm bloody miserable. Like, like right. day in, day out, I'm miserable doing this. So why don't I just listen to that, do something about it? Like, you know, I haven't... I need to start listening to that that message that's coming through all all the time from, from people, you know. Um so that was that was a big driving force, and then that was you know that was eventually built up enough, I guess I would say, to go, yeah, I've got to do something about this. You know, it it kind of it kind of reached. Um, I'd say the big pivoting point for me was, I don't remember what the circumstances were exactly prior to why I did it. I just know I hit a point where I was like, I can't take anymore. Like I've had enough. I feel like I'm losing grip losing me grip here right so to deal with that um i took myself away um i basically booked a a, like a a little cottage out in the wilderness of northumberland and stayed out there for five days by myself just cut off from everyone i was like i need to be alone i need to spend some time doing some you know real reflecting and, and thinking um without any worries about anything else um i need to be completely selfish here and just cut myself off took some good books with me um to read um one of the books that i read was um uh, excellent and really got me just to kind of go like really start to think about okay that, that is absolutely how it is like there is only one crack at this so what are you going to do about it and don't worry if it's wrong. Like you just got to do something. It doesn't matter whether it's the right thing or not. Just yes. you've got to do something and something yeah. has to change, you know? And that was the main thing I came away from, you know, I got me, my, my wife came at the end of that, uh, of that week with the kids 
I went, but I basically just sat, sit, sit there and go, something has to change. I can't continue like this anymore. Like we, we, I, I have, I have to leave. I have to leave this job at some point. I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I know I can't do this forever. Mm. Um, and that was the beginning of that transition. It took about five years for that to actually happen. Um, but that was the first moment where I knew I was on an exit path from, nice. from medicine. Mm. So interesting. So a quick one, I guess. Can you remember what that book was? Just out of curiosity. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, called Effort. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and it's by, oh God, where is it? I've got it here. So that if anyone's seen the video at some point, it's by John C. Parkin. Um, oh, oh, right. I thought you said Effort, E-double-F-O-R-T. No, Effort. I did want to swear in case, <laughs> in case that's not allowed. All <laughs> oh, right, I'm with you. I'm with you. Right. Yeah. So F oblique oblique T. Uh, so, uh, K, sorry. T. Yeah. And then it. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Right. I've not read it. I've heard a bit about it, but yeah. Right. Ah, interesting. It's a, it's, it's a fantastic book because the, the guy has a very deep um, and knowledgeable spiritual background. Right. Um. Is um, son of an Anglican preacher, I think it says in the in the book, and he's done all sorts of spiritual stuff over the years and work on himself, and um, it's just fabulously written in terms of like it's really good natured and um, but insightful at the same time. So right. it made me kind of smile and have a laugh, yeah. and made me realise like I'm taking this all far too seriously. Oh. Like, uh, it's it, yeah. That is the line. That is a line that I use in my um, when I, I'm, I'm stepping away from doing the stress and um, resilience training, what have you. But I use that as part of it um, in, in my about the last few minutes. A, a little story plus. I realised I'm taking it far too all too seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his. I guess I've got a load of little questions here, but one of them is. For me, that's a sign potentially of being in burnout. Yeah. We start to take it all too seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in hindsight, I do question whether that's what, what I was going through at the time. Right. Um, I've never labeled it as such, but if somebody said, if somebody said, I think you had burnout, I wouldn't wouldn't fight them against that, you know, mm. um summation of what was happening at the time. Mm. Um it's hard to envisage me being able to have, you know, looking back, it's very hard to be able to envisage being able to continue beyond where I did. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, burnouts, um, it's, it's actually something I've, I've, I've always been interested in as part of the stress uh, work and working with people. It's featuring a lot in the work I do now with people in terms of health and weight, you know, managing weight, midlife as you know, et cetera. But yeah, you're right. I think burnout's a, it's a, it's a phrase that can mean a lot, but there is a lot of different, there's a variation within that. So it may well be, you know, that, that, that was an element of that, but you did, you just said there that I wasn't, you know, I, I'm not sure I could have carried on. So uh, in that role, um, you said that it was it was about a five year journey, you know. Mm. Once that realization happened, and I, I totally get that as well. That that can be it can take time. It can take time financially, physically, practically, all sorts of reasons. Mm.
I am delighted to announce that the Midlife Reshape Academy has launched. Now, this is a membership and online learning and community option for those of you who want to embark on your own midlife reshape journey. It's a longer term, more sustainable approach, which really is the way to go when building your health back up and shedding those pounds and getting your midlife health back on track for midlife and beyond. The Academy will support you with programs of videos, audios and eBooks and other supporting resources and courses, Q&A support from me and the chance to be part of the Restless Midlife community. Like-minded people who who share similar goals and ambitions. If you're feeling like your health has drifted and you're not in the shape you want to be and want to be get back to feeling more comfortable in your own skin, then hop over to midliferesheape.com forward slash academy and find out how you can get underway with your own health uh, ambitions and get your weight back on track for the long run. The pre-launch list offer has expired, but I am offering an early adopter discount to the membership, which will be expiring soon. So catch that if you want to get on track now, visit midliferesheape.com forward slash academy. Was there a chance that you were going to stay where you were and carry on? You know, when you were saying, I had, this is going to have to change, was there a, times or, or moments where you kind of doubted that it could change or that you, you think, oh, just give your head a shake and get on with it, you know, type of thing? Was there any of that going on? Oh, I think quite quite regularly that was probably going on but it was something that was like a, but it was more like this idea of of needing to change and get out was a recurrent th thought that kept yeah. coming back yeah. yeah it just kept resurfacing yeah. itself like no you've got to change man you can't just keep doing yeah. this like yeah. and i think it was almost like it was almost like a lack of self-respect in a way that that kept kept me in in that it was like it doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you want to do. You need to keep, you know, you need to keep earning. You've done all this. You've got to keep doing this. Yeah. You know, that's the, the internal messaging that goes on. And I think I'm far from alone um, in having had those thoughts. You know, I'm sure other people have had that as well, mm. with you know, feeling like you've got to keep doing what you're doing, kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then. Yeah. So, I mean, I explored lots of different uh, jobs and things, you know, I, that was one of the things I did during that five years was tr trying to look at different careers. I, I spoke to lots of different people in different careers. I tried to find out what other doctors had done since they'd left medicine or were doing alongside medicine. Um, I dabbled in the idea of having a, a, you know, like a career in, involving sort of tech related stuff. Cause I, I loved all I still do love all that stuff. iOS 16 is out today. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> oh, we've had those conversations haven't we, last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we're not going down there. Otherwise, we'll yeah, let's, we'll, let's keep it on. Both of them will get down the rabbit hole. It'll become um, a Mac, Mac show then if we're not careful. I yeah. know, I know. So, but so I did do you know other stuff like that just to sort of see. Um, I think I, I might have told you, like I even worked in a bakery at one point as well, just mm. as a as a, a, a thing that I did because it was just like do something else, like just do something else. Um, and eventually, it just it just kept coming back to now that doesn't appeal, now that mm. doesn't appeal. And it it wasn't until twenty twenty that I basically came. I, funny, isn't it? It's kind of serendipity how life just brings things in front of you at times and I do think it's about being open to possibility like be, being aware of what's going on around you and being open to things and I think if you're not in a good state mentally sometimes you're not open to things yeah. at all you just you just like oh this is how it is head down you've got to keep going but on this particular occasion I think 
I was, like I say, more open to possibility. And I discovered that my old personal trainer had moved in into being a life coach. Um, And we just met up again and had a coffee and had a a chat with him because I was actually asking him, so how did you get into life coaching? You know, I was wanting to know how how he did it um, and what it's been like and what he had to do. And, you know, from that point of view, just exploring that as a a career. Um, And then coming off the back of that, I actually started being coached by him. So um that was and that's when things really start to to you know get like green list at that point mm-hmm. it was like right now there's really fire underneath this idea of of change now mm-hmm. um and i was committed to to making a change and my question i went to him with was basically i'm stuck how do i become unstuck yeah and that's what Can we I, worked on is it okay to say who that coach was just uh out of curiosity yeah david wilkinson I knew you were going to say David Wilkinson. I know David, he's been a guest on the podcast. I kind yeah. of knew because um, funny enough, it's funny how these things happen. And this is this yeah. is the journey. This is the this is what I'm really fascinated with is what can lead us to make these changes versus not. And then mm-hmm. how much of the voice, that pressure has to build for us to, as you said, to start paying attention and not ignore it. And then what happens? Um, and David, David kind of last time, I mean, we were meeting in a couple of weeks, um, but he was shifting and, I, and it was a conversation between me and him that led him to explore coaching. And it wasn't that I was coaching, we was just having a catch up and I was saying what I was doing, which was actually stepping into coaching. This was a few years back. So it's interesting, isn't it? But it's, it's the power of a conversation yeah, and and being open to it, I think, is a really important bit. And I think you're absolutely right. It, it there are so many of us that perhaps are feeling trapped by our roles, by our careers, by our life, whatever. I mean, there's a myriad of circumstances, but it's how do we create? How do we get to a point where the answer to the, is this is this a question is no, there's not. There's loads more, and we yeah. start to give ourselves the space. So you took yourself off for five days, which I love and give yourself that space read read something but you started to open up to it and i think that is that is where there's real opportunity real opportunity to to explore to be coached but also to then sort of explore what works for you so great yeah sorry i interrupted there a little bit but um i I kind of had an inkling it might have been david just from the timeline (laughs) funny isn't it small world yeah 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 so yeah it was just that was that's what really changed it and one uh, so the big thing that I had to get over through my coaching and was being able to let go, uh, uh, you know, and being able to let go of the title and disassociate my self-worth from my title as yeah. Dr. Harkness yeah. and realize that actually I'm, I'm valuable just being me without, yeah. without that title. That's another aspect to it, isn't it? Because it isn't, I've spoken to loads of people who that identity it be, it becomes interwoven. It's part of your DNA almost mm-hmm. after a while, and it's how you you can do it, but it does take time, and it's that permission to be human. You know, we do build our identities around these things. So, how do you shift? And that's particularly what fascinates me, actually. So, I mean, was there with that? Was there anything you particularly did? You know, in terms of that letting go of the identity or getting used to being okay as you, Mister, rather than Doctor. It was, a, I guess it was just a slow transition. Um, there was a lot there about like loosening up me thinking, um, you know, just being able to see things in, in a different way, being able to oh. en- envisage a different future for myself slowly over time. Um, and then realize like it doesn't have to be kind of like, I mean, you can, 
but it doesn't have to be sort of handbrake turn. You can kind of ease into things and transition things over time, you know, yeah. um, if you, if you want to, and a lot of people, yeah, I, I, as it happens, I didn't, but a lot of people kind of start another thing off before they get, yeah. before they let go of the other thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but for me, it was just like all or nothing. Um, I was like, no, I know I want out that like, mm. so I want out and I'm all in on whatever I do instead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. I think you're right. It, it's horses for courses, and sometimes the the slower way um, can be really effective. But it also requires the development of patience whilst you are developing or dealing with. Because I, I effectively did that a lot as I left the police. I crashed and burned. I did the handbrake turn, I guess. Crashed and burned because I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> in mm-hmm. business. Went back, and it was then that I had to really manage myself my patience my hopes my aspirations not let them get crushed and fall back into policing but still do what i needed to do in the policing and manage my well-being in that process so there's a whole journey there isn't there with that so there's a lot of different ways mm-hmm. i think the key thing is it's a message of hope that you can it's about finding the way for you which is yeah. obviously where i guess the, the the process and the coaching that serendipitous meeting i guess is is valuable you know yeah it's just it's realizing that like investing in, in yourself is well worth doing. No yeah. matter, it doesn't matter which way you, you choose to do it. Yeah. Just spend some time investing in yourself and your own, your own well being is, is incredibly important. It's never going to be yeah. wasted and it's going to affect everybody around you as well. If you do, it's not, it's not, it, it has a ripple out effect into yeah. everyone around you, um, which is fascinating to watch over time as you kind of go as you know, I, I continue to be coached myself. I think it's important for coaches to be coached. Um, and as I continue my journey, you know, not one to get too woo woo, but on in inwards, if you like, I've done all yeah. the outwards bit. Now yeah. I'm in a phase of my life where I'm doing the inward journey. Um, it's amazing to see how slowly that can ripple out into, into people around you as well. Yeah. 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 I love that. I think you're right. I think this is potentially for, for me, it's, it's a fascination of that period in life where you do start to think, okay, there's the world stuff, the practical stuff that I've dealt with a lot, but now what about the inner stuff, you know, and that, that could mean a lot of different things. Yeah. But I think that inner stuff is often where well, for me, it's what shapes our identity, our drives, our motivation, what holds us back, the self-sabotage, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really worth doing that in a work, but it can take time, obviously. And for me, I, I would identify as you as a lifelong learner. It's the mm-hmm. it's it's where the fun is at, the, the stuff is at. So, yeah. yeah. So just, I guess now, just sort of look at what, what is it that you're doing now in terms of the coaching side of things? Where are you at? Who do you work with? What, you know, what's what's that all about? I would say it was, so this is one of the things I've had to adjust to, I suppose, um, is is kind of going from, well, okay, I need to, how do I phrase this? I'm, I'm working on currently the idea of like integrating my past with my current identity. I think it helped me for a while to make that transition to kind of go, you're over there, career. This is what I'm doing now. Yeah. But actually, I'm realizing now that that's that's a disservice to myself to do that because there's a hell of a lot of great stuff that I did and accumulated over time through being a doctor. It didn't have to be medical, but all the stuff around communication skills and confidentiality, body language, you know, all these things that I did for, you know, 20 odd, 20 odd years as a doctor and got very good at, at doing, you know, I was quite good at reading 
the room and reading people um, in, in a consultation um, in very short periods of time as well, yeah. <laughs> which is very different from coaching because um, uh, I have lots of time, which people which I absolutely love doing. Um, so I'm working on, on that aspect at the minute um, of bringing those two things together. Um, but I still have to recognize in terms of coaching, I'm, I'm at the early stage of my journey as a coach. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting going, really. So I'm still kind of figuring things out a little bit. Um, but that being said, I've kind of got an idea of the type of people who I'd like to ultimately work with. And really what what I'd like to do is kind of magnify my impact um, by working with people who want to help other people. Uh, right. Yeah. It's I don't know if that's a bit clunky, but I'm trying to so anyone who's on on a mission to benefit mankind, I'd like to coach those people so they can magnify their impact um and do even more and maybe and maybe keep them on the path of doing that as well and not be disheartened and fall off the wagon. Because there's so many people who have amazing great ideas and then they just you know, the, the, the disappear off into the ether because it's been too difficult or they came up against a brick wall or mm. felt like they had to do it themselves rather than with some help, you know? So yeah. Yeah. yeah those are the kind of people I'd like to work with ultimately. In, interesting. Makes total sense. And, uh, and, and it's definitely a, a great approach and a great, a great direction to, to work. I think. Um, and again, it's that shift in potentially that shift in motivation as we as we move on in life is that perhaps mm. those things become more important you know how yeah. can i it certainly is for me and it's certainly my recent shift away from speaking and training more into this coaching and working with you know on the health and weight thing has been it's been there all the way through my life mm-hmm. lots of different sort of um experiences personally but also family friends that kind of thing but then realizing actually as you say life short this is this is where this is where it is for me, you know. So I think, I think that working in it it takes shape as you go as well, you know. And you know, in terms of building your experience as a coach, we're all a work in progress, aren't we? And no, yeah. I don't think anybody's getting it hundred percent right, or even anywhere near that. To be fair, <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds great. So, and what I will say, just towards the end, I'll, I'll put in there will be some links and show notes if anybody who does want to connect with you as well, a continual conversation and and, and what have you, um, mm. which would be great. Now, in terms of where you're at now, and, and I'm, you know, I'm speaking with somebody who works in this field of health, weight loss, etc. But also knowing that I'm far from perfect, there's not such thing as perfect. I'm a work in progress, and I think that's what what makes me having a have a connection, as you said, yeah. with some of the things that you were talking about. Um, I also know that moving from something secure, albeit stressful and challenging, please, GP work, to something. That can be more flexible. You can shape it around your life. Brings its own stresses. So, oh, in yeah. terms of your health, well-being, is there anything that you're doing at the moment, or is that a focus for you? you any things that you focus on yourself for that? Because I think it's interesting just to share this. To sort of, we're all on this journey in terms of our whatever, but health is is a factor in that. I'm I'm, I'm guessing. I'm assuming actually. Yeah. 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 Well, as, uh, I, like I say, I continue to be be coach, so I consider that a, a, an investment in yeah. my wellness, um, especially mm-hmm. uh, you know from, from the mental side, but also the uh, just the just the mindfulness, you know, of what's actually happening and keeping yourself open open to other possibilities as well. Um, and uh, the other aspect that, funny enough, is it's just it's nuts the universe, isn't it? But it was something I was listening to today, and I thought, 
do you know that's exactly what I'm doing right now? I'm recognizing the role that my body plays in all of this. Right. Um, because what's the word? I, I'm probably an overthinker, you know, over, overly cerebral. Um, and it's as part of my coaching journey and, and, you know, sort of doing, um, journaling and things like that. One of the things I've realized is I've, I've been negligent to some degree of the impact that my body plays in all of this. Right. It's like, oh, I could just like thinking that you can think your way out of everything yeah. And, yeah. and you can't, you can't, your, your body is, is, is inputting a lot of stuff to your brain yeah. that you can't ignore. So yes. if you treat your treat your body like crap, your brain's not going to do as well as it can do, and you, and you're not going to do as well as you can do. So I'm much better attuned at recognizing that. That I would say as a doctor, I fully recognized that you know you've got to look after your body. But I think that was more from a. I used to think of it as like <laughs> your your body is like a meat sack to carry your brain around <laughs> in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah and, yeah, and you've got to keep your meat sack healthy in order for your brain to to function <laughs> and still be here. Yeah. But now I think actually that meat sack is giving a lot to your body, positively or negatively, depending on how you're treating it. So there's much I'm recognizing there's much more interplay between these two mm. things, and that that's probably an area that I could do better at. You know, in terms of development, I could I could look after myself. So I recognize that. I'm an emotional eater. That's something I've I've kind of come to recognize. Um, I recognized I could do I could do harder in terms of working out and things like that, and and being more disciplined at, at doing that regularly. Um, my children are, are a great source of motivation for me. With that, they're both two very healthy, fit kids who love sport and exercise. Um, so it's they've that's kind of fed back on me so like recently um i've got back into the gym again i was i was working out at home um i got into doing that over the lockdown period but then more recently i was like i need to get out i need to get out more so as part of that getting out and getting back into the world again that then i'm going to the gym to be out there in in, in the world more and it just gives me more choice in terms of what i can actually do exercise wise which is great but it Having that self-discipline to do it at home has benefited me now yeah. going into the gym yeah. because I, I know I'm no better what I want to do and what I want to achieve when I'm actually there. Yeah, yeah. And like today, I didn't have much time. I was like, I, I was like, I would like to do this and I'd like to do that, but I don't have much time. I was like, do you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to hit the treadmill for 20 minutes, but I'm going to go bloody all out, yeah. and then I'm coming home again. That's all I had time for. But doing that is better than never having left the house in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Total, totally related to that. I think, yeah, there's so much in there. I mean, the overthinking, the being more cerebral, the body being a vehicle just to get you around from place to place, that kind of thing. I think that that that's certainly something I relate to. And again, it's that journey of discovery to realize there's so much more to it and that your body yeah. is, it's not, you know, keep it in prime condition or as good a condition as you can. Prime's probably too strong a word. But, <laughs> uh, but in as good a condition as you can in order to help you to achieve those things. But also, you're right, because it's a wonderful thing in itself. It gives you yeah. so much. Um, and I, as well, you know, I think particularly lockdown, um, going back to that, trying to keep some sort of fitness during on my own in lockdown was a challenge, but supported via Zoom, via my CrossFit gym, getting back to them 
that place mm. and the community, but also the things that you do. I think going to a place to do that can be really, really powerful. So great, yeah. lovely. So um, yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? The, the journey that we, we go on in in, uh, in life with all of these things. Um, and I think for me, it, it's really good to delve into it and also uh, you know, you, you what you you come out that other side into a role that you see is uh, probably using the same qualities. I would guess the qualities and skills that you had, but mm. allowing you the flexibility to spend more time on those. You know, as you said, with the luxury of time, um, that's really great. Great to see. So it'd be good to keep in touch and, and sort of see how you get on with it. Uh, you know, get on with um, your adventure as we yeah, go. Yeah, no, that'd be great. And uh, good luck with everything. So. Uh, Anything, any parting thoughts or, or anything from yourself before we kind of wrap things up? Uh, thank you for your time as well. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only the sort of thing that I would say to anyone who's listening is just what, whatever it is that they they want to make a change on, just start. Just mm. start now or start tomorrow morning, but just start. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just get going. Just make the first step, no matter how small it is. Because everything that I've done has been a series of, you know, small steps, but but repeatedly over time, just mm. building, building, building. And I think people underestimate the 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 power of small but regular change. I think just just get going. Don't wait. Don't wait for for the right moment. Just start. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an absolutely. Um, brilliant observation as well the get going without knowing where you're going necessarily yeah. or what it's going to look like is brilliant but also the the power of those small steps that's that's why this podcast was called the sprout sweater in its early in its formative stage was because i i talk very much about sprout size small incremental habits rituals and routines repeated and built upon it's, it's far more transformational at a deep yeah. level as well and you know we're in a world that's fast isn't it quick change we want this quick but some things benefit, particularly the things we talked about, identity, making our mind up, deciding what we actually do want, what matters to us. Those things, they they can take time to form and and take shape in life, can't they? Yeah, I think I think like it's just not being attached to the outcome too much. Yeah, because because then we're like, well, what if I don't hit that? Then I failed. That's like you, you never failed at anything. You weren't ever meant to do anything. Ultimately. You, you mm-hmm. are just here in the universe, and then one day you will be, and that's, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the that's the that's the ultimate kind of you know, re, I think reality to me. And as long as you're, you've got a, by all means, you must. It's important to have goals that you're working towards, but don't don't be rigid in the outcome. You know, just see where it all takes you because yeah. it might go to much more interesting places than you expected it ever to do. I'm not attached to this idea of. Um, I'm going to coach, you know, like I say, people who impact other people's lives. Yes, that, that's a goal and that's an aspiration that I have. But if something takes me off on another path that 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 I find attractive and I'm engaged with, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And again, that's the spirit of the restless midlifer for me is, is treating it as a bit of an adventure. And in any adventure, yep. it's not certain where you're going to end up. Yes, there's going to be challenge. Yes, there's going to be ups and downs. Hopefully some wins but ultimately enjoying the adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Well, Richard, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely to catch up and also get to know more about that story. And I, I'm sure that our listeners uh, 
can pick something from it because it's for me it's about tapping into ah oh, that's like me or oh, i get that so thank you for sharing that it's it's uh, been really great um we will include notes uh, sorry links and, and stuff in the show notes but is there any particular way that people can connect with you just off the top of your head um if they do want to drop a line or, or uh, get in touch uh yeah i mean i'm at coached by rich on instagram um or you can get get me through my uh, website which is uh, richharkness.com brilliant Great. Well, I hope uh, I hope it's been a, a great uh, interview for you as it has for me and hopefully the yeah, listeners. Any questions, feedback, again, you can get in touch with Richard as as he's just indicated, but you can also drop me a line at dave at restlessmidlife.com. Happy to field any questions, forward anything on, or any feedback around um, the episode and my initial food for thought at the beginning of the uh, pre-interview. Um, but uh, take care for now. Remember, life's a bit of an adventure. Go out there and grab it and look after yourself. Take care. Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure. <laughs>